0: Hello and welcome to Never Press News, the podcast which will give you an insight into the lives and minds of the most motivated and inspirational people I have the pleasure of knowing. I'm Tony Musgrave and this is Never Press News. Hello, welcome to episode two, season two, Never Press News podcast. Uh, thanks for everyone listening to episode one. I hope you enjoyed that with... Uh, Hannah from Soul Focus Coaching. I've got a different guest here, but still within that coaching sphere. It's just from a physical perspective this time. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Sophie Grace Holmes.
1: Hello, and thank you for having me on.
0: Uh, you're welcome. I'm so glad we managed to get it tied down in the end. Um, you are mad busy at the minute. I can see that from your social media feeds that I follow you on. Uh, I hope it's all going well, And uh, but it's great to just grab you. Thank you for putting some time aside in the evening and to get on and uh, and let's get sharing some of your uh, great work
1: oh yeah i'm super excited to get chatting and it's i think you know this this time at the moment i think it's a crazy time for everybody but i'm a very much an opportunist opportunist and love to grab the time that i've got now i didn't expect to have to basically pursue things i've always wanted to do
0: yeah, well, I can see that, like I said, from the social media. So what I'll do is I'll give a bit of an intro about how we met and stuff so people understand um what, what the the aim of the podcast is and where we're coming from. And then, then it's over to you. The mic's yours. You can talk us through uh, everything about Sophie Grace Holmes and all the great work that I'm watching you do. So you was introduced to me a couple of months back by uh, a good friend of mine, Dan Hagen, mutual friend who we both know. Uh, I, it appears you are both very keen swimmers and we might never meet in that, um, that, that arena because I am not getting in the sea, that's for sure. I do, I am tempted to do it, but it never, never really materializes. I don't think I've got um, the courage to just dive into the sea and start swimming. Dan introduced me and said, you've got to check her out. She's amazing. She's doing a lot of great work on social media and she's, you know, inspirational to, to him and to many other people. I started following you straight away. I started to watch some of the things that you post. Your energy is uh, is unbelievable. Um, everything I see that you do is feels like it's at 100%, although I have been listening to some of the things that you said around not everything's a PB. So uh, I do want to get into that a little bit later. But It's great to have you on the show. And genuinely, I'm I'm constantly looking for people who are in and around my sphere that can inspire me. Because when the days are bad and you need a little bit of inspiration, literally, I can just drop your feed on within about two minutes. I just feel either tired because of all the work you're doing, completely energised and motivated to get out there. So thank you very much. Keep that work up. That's all I can say.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so pleased that I've managed to motivate you when you need it. And I've kind of hopefully inspired you to do different things. It's kind of like one of my life ambitions. If I can get just one person to be inspired to pursue something they've always wanted to do or have the courage to live life on their own terms, then I'll be very happy.
0: Well, you certainly have inspired me through the lockdown period. I I did some stuff myself, sharing a few workouts and stuff, nowhere near the level that, that you're operating at by any stretch. Tried to share some hit circuits just to give people an area to focus now that the gyms are closed and I can't hang around them for three or four hours doing very little exercise, I've had to actually do some exercise in my garden and in and around the house and I was just trying to change people's focus. I mean, I'm certainly only scratching the surface of it. This is the the arena in which you operate at an extremely high level and it's been great to see uh, some of the circuits and some of the sessions that you've put out there while what we were saying earlier on is there's been a bit of time and not saying everybody's had more time but Certainly, there's been some opportunities to pursue a few things that haven't um, always been on the radar.
1: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Like, you know, I was I've always had my life at 100 miles an hour, working every hour and oh. day from five in the morning to 10 at night um, and traveling around the world. I, I've had a phenomenal time. And then all of a sudden to be put in my house and not able to leave for 10 weeks on the 18th of March after you know all of that it was a massive shock you know I had to shut a business um and I kind of remember I remember waking up on the the 19th and just being like well this is my life what am I going to do now like what is what am I going to create to make the most of this time that I didn't realize I was going to have
0: yeah your adaptation to it I'm I'm only knowing now obviously what I know there about the, the 17th and the 18th and the 19th being those critical days for, for you particularly. Um, we're going into a topic that um, I'm really interested in is, um, and we'll come back to some other stuff that I had planned earlier on than this, but let's just do it while we're here. So when you woke up on that day on the 19th of March and, you know, what was your choices that were in front of you? What what problems were you faced with? Because, the people who adapted to this change quicker than the others appear to have thrived, if that's the correct terminology, and have, you know, just the plan in front of them has changed, but the goal in the end hasn't. They've just got to work out a new way of doing it. What was it that you did when you woke up that morning?
1: I, um, do you know what? I actually allowed myself a bit of a lay-in because I'm used to getting up at quarter to five every single day. Um, And I sat there with my cup of tea and decided to write an intentions list my routines, like what was my new daily routine going to be from my morning to my evening? What tasks was it that I wanted to focus on? And what projects have I always wanted to launch that I could then do and become more possible to be able to create something that, you know, a brand new business, which I have done. And I kind of sat there and I was like, because if I don't set structures within my day, then, you know, that's where you get lost amongst all kinds of things and where your mindset can then shift. Because I'm a firm believer of like you of having the routines, but also pushing yourself every single day to do something that you find difficult to build a solid routine, a solid mindset to become a little bit tougher, but also to imply discipline, because without the discipline, nothing gets done. But also you will eventually lack motivation and you can't rely on motivation to get things done, whether it be for your daily life, whether it be business, whether it be fitness, or whether it be a goal that you're trying to hit whether you had races planned, because I know I did and they all got cancelled. So for me, I had to get some strong routines in, not to obsess or overtake my whole day, because obviously I was going to have much more time on my hands, but just to ensure that whatever steps I was taking, they were still going to be productive steps for whenever we get out of this situation, that I've managed to launch my life into something that I've always wanted it to be, rather than just racing around in the rat race, because... I'm used to doing that, so this was my opportunity to basically turn my life upside down and create the life I really wanted. Too much stress because I've already shut a business because I've had no choice.
0: Yeah, there's there's some really key points I picked up in, and um, making notes frantically. Couple of things: intentions list. Want to dig into that a little bit. Really like that, um, and then. Um, the other one was what you were saying there about the motivation that when that lacks, you need to revert back to discipline. I wrote a post very similar, um, and we're talking about the exact same thing. And then I, I ended up – yours was much better written than mine, by the way. I screenshotted yeah. the post that you put on about that, and I sat and took some time to read that and take that in because that's massively important. You know, we can all be motivated, but some days, no matter who you are, I'm sure even being uh, Sophie Grace Holmes – you have days where you're not motivated and having to rely on that discipline. Then I know you're a keen cyclist and I love cycling myself. Sometimes getting on that bike and when it's raining outside or it's cold, you've got to have that discipline in place.
1: Oh my goodness. You really do. And especially riding a bike in the rain. I don't know what (laughs) it is. If you're out riding and it rains, it's fine. It's leaving your front door to clip your feet in to go and ride like, Last summer, I rode did the ride across Britain from Lands End to John O'Groats. Okay, we had it was nine days, a thousand miles in nine days, and probably five or six of those days was wind and rain.
0: Um, yeah, you guys from our company did it on the same one that you did. Then, so I think last yeah. year, uh, some good friends of mine, Richard Ackery, I think Gareth Walsh did it. There was three did or four they? guys. No way. Yeah, yeah they oh, all did. Didn't... Maybe I'm I'm sure it was last year. I was supposed to do. Uh, do it with them I did some of the training I got I got ridiculously injured through something that you'd mentioned in one of your previous posts which I wish you'd have posted 12 months before <laughs> not, not every session is a PB um, and I almost was going out the traps every day like it was like I was um, in the Tour de France and and it and it blew me up in the end which was a real disappointment of mine but how did you get on on the ride across Britain?
1: Oh it was amazing I don't get me wrong I May I? Whenever I do these bigger races or I go off into an ultra-endurance event, which that is, I make promises to myself because obviously you're going to go through dark times and you're going to end up in the pain cave and there's going to be every part of you that tells you to unclip your feet, especially when you're on a 17% incline for God knows how long. And at the beginning of that race, we stood there at the start line and I promised myself that I was going to... There was five things. One of them was I was never going to complain. I wasn't going to make an excuse. I wasn't going to die because, you know, that's also quite handy. Um, But I was also going to find something every single day to be grateful for. But also I was going to help other people get to the end. And every single day I reminded myself of these five things. and I actually wrote them down and put them in my jersey pocket so that they were always with me as a small reminder like you're lucky to be doing this all your requirements are for nine days is to ride 100 plus miles per day and get to the end and it was a phenomenal experience and for me a lot of that kind of thing and like pushing yourself through these events you really do find out what you're made of and who you are and you know the motivation to get up at 4am every single day to embark on a 100 and 5 to 125 miles on a bike with perhaps up to 10,000 feet of climbing by day six when you know, you're you a bit sore <laughs> isn't there but you just get on and you do it because you know how amazing that's going to feel when you get to the end of that day and you've ticked off another day and you're that much closer to the end and despite the conditions everybody is doing the same thing um, and I do remember on day eight there was a massive incline I think it was um, about 17 percent for about an hour <laughs> and the options were to not do that day because it was so tough and I said to my friend Laura as soon as we get to that hill I don't care how you get up it but you're not unclipping your feet and we are going to get to the top because imagine how amazing that will feel to know that you didn't know you could do that because we don't have any hills in Essex do we let's face it, yeah, round um, here, it? and in Scotland obviously you're like climbing all the time and we literally got to that top and like I just said to her like that's what we're doing it for because there are so many things that we have achieved that we haven't really ever been able to achieve or never thought we could do. And the amount of people that were walking up that hill, um, which is just mental. So, you know, for me, that's why I do these little things. But for you to get to these points, going back to the discipline thing, you have to be disciplined enough in the first place to not only train, but be sensible and periodize your training so that you don't get injured. But also to do it when you don't feel like you want to do it because that's when you know that's when it actually counts as well.
0: Could have really done with that advice midway through last Sorry. year I, no. I could I could have really done with that level of advice midway through last year on the basis that I uh, blew up in, in the middle of it but um, we live and learn. Um, uh, you know, yes we do in, in, in season one um, that, that that ride holds. Uh, really high high regard with me, not not because I didn't do it, but because in season one of the the podcast we had two guests on that had completed that, and one of them had done it solo, unsupported. A lady that I know, Christy Lambeth episode six, I think it was, she did that solo, unsupported. But her inspiration for doing it was Sean Conway, who did it many many years ago, and I'm sure you've heard of him, endurance athlete. We worked together on a charity project. 10, 12 years ago, he then came back on the podcast with me to tell me about how he just completed the uh, fastest unsupported solo ride across Europe, um, which is an amazing achievement. Um, But that all started with the Land's End to John O'Groats. That that ride itself, I know a number of people that have been involved in, it it validates who they are. And like you said, it gives them the validation of that they can do something when they put their mind to it. But a few of those people have also then gone on and been spurred to do absolutely incredible things. You know, Sean Conway racing across the world, one of the number one endurance athletes in the world. Um, just phenomenal. So that race is a, a big test and well-renowned within the industry by the looks of it.
1: Oh, I think it is. And I think, you know, you if you're going to finish it, then, you know, you would have trained hard. And I think the problem well, the good thing, but the problem with endurance racing is that you get to the end of something and you're like, wow, I've done wow. it. I'm still here. I'm still standing. Um, what more can I do mentally, physically? like, What happens if I just take myself and push myself that much further? Because I've got a friend who um, actually did Coast to Coast America um, yep. on his bike and running in 31 days.
0: Wow. And
1: wow. I remember his, his mantra for that was... As long as I keep pedaling, America will run out of land. And all I kept thinking was when I was riding up Britain was that as long as I keep pedaling, Britain will run out of land, I've got to get to the end. Um, but I think it's, you know, the, the, the milestones that you achieve via pushing yourself to do something that perhaps you never thought you could ever achieve or something that scares the hell out of you and then you achieve it really does show who you are and, you know and it will give you such phenomenal memories and experiences and it makes you realize kind of what you want out of life as well and I think this is why I thrive so much in discomfort and leaning into the uncomfortable situations and trying to enjoy being in that because there's nothing better even if you've had a a training session that you know on paper looked absolutely terrible and then you finish it like to that level you then feel amazing you're like wow like I did it even if you know, I was a bit worried going into it because I thought it was going to be really hard. But here we are at the other end of it. It's finished and it's done and I've achieved it. And I think it's the consistency in building up over time. And I like to liken fitness to cashing like a check into the bank because going back to your um, thoughts on your PBs every day, (laughs) it doesn't really matter. Like for me, obviously some sessions you have to do, you have to push and you have to kind of go for it. But... For example, if you're cashing money in a bank every day, even if it's 100% to 10% of what you're what you're earning, then if you apply that to fitness, if you have a session that you do 100% in, then that's great. And then the next day, you're a bit tired or you feel a bit sore, and you can only cash in 10%. That's still 10% more than the day before. And that's where fitness comes into being consistent. Because if you do that consistently, consistently over a period of time, then you know you're going to get to whatever your goal is, even if it's one percent a day. You're still going to be three hundred and sixty-five percent better than the year before. And I think this is where people get so worried, and where social media can be so impactful in terms of like guessing your five K PBs every day. Well, it's just not sustainable, and also that's not how you get your PBs. You have to do different types of training sessions and all kinds of things. And and I think that's where it's so important to strip back or educate yourself by working with a coach or just kind of really look at your training and think right this day I feel better say it's on Monday because you've had a Sunday off that's your big training day that's where you try and push to get your pbs and then if you know you're going to be tired by Friday you just taper your training a little bit and you make sure that Friday is perhaps an easier session going into the weekend um, or a session that you know that doesn't impact your body quite so much and so long as you're kind of focusing on that and over a period of time what you can achieve is amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of the times you're coming in at. There's some phenomenal um, times coming in and then I see one and it's like a lot slower and you are right about why you've taken the time to do that. And I just think really, really savvy, um, intelligent way of training. Um, my, my, generally, my mistakes are through uh, my upbringing, I suppose, and through um, I'm, I was in the armed forces before. I was in the army for a few years before. And literally every session is just done at 100 miles an hour. Um, and because I was younger, like early 20s and now early 40s, it was, it was much easier to recover. Uh, and that's where I think I'm having to re-educate myself in my own fitness levels, but also that I'm creeping over into the uh, to the mid 40s and I need to start working out which sessions are the appropriate ones, um, picking up quite a number of niggles as I got. I need a coach basically that's what I'm shouting out here isn't it <laughs>
1: even if it's just a kind of like in the way I see training is that you always want to be trying to progress forward but it does mean that some sessions need to be for example like if you're trying to get faster at running you're going to want to do a, a different types of sessions from slow to longer endurance based sessions to fast 5 k's to intervals and that should be applied to kind of all your kinds of training, like whether it be on a bike, whether it be swimming, whether it be in the gym, because your body needs to be challenged in different ways to progress.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned there uh, earlier on in, in, in the conversation, I, I made a quick note of it. I think the word you used was pain cave. And then you talked about challenging yourself on a daily basis. Did you say scare yourself or something along those lines to, um, to give yourself some, Challenge on a daily basis. But where's that bond from?
1: Well, firstly, I the scaring part is I like to set goals that scare the hell out of me because basically for me, like if I don't set goals that are so big, then my behaviour will not change. And if my behaviour doesn't change, then I won't be able to achieve it. So for example, um, I had an Iron Man that I should have done early July. Obviously, it got cancelled due to COVID. So I decided to do my Ironman from my house um, to two months early. So I wasn't Ironman fit. Obviously, i had been in my house. Um, so I did it on my turbo and I used my front lawn and obviously the sea. Um, and I decided that, you know, I'm not ready, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then what that's now done is I now know what time I can do from a very small space of time, i.e. my house. And. Um, and now I'm now pushing myself to kind of want to wanting to achieve a certain time for that Ironman, so that I then push myself to train smarter, to train a bit harder, to eat better. Like I've literally just started working with a nutritionist as well to kind of support that. And yeah. um, so that's where the scaring part comes from because I want to achieve some amazing things. Living with a life-threatening lung disease, cystic fibrosis, I shouldn't be able to technically do these things, but I I can, and I want to discover what my potential is basically and the only way I can do that is by setting myself these big goals to kind of keep striving for Um, and I think it's important as well just to kind of see what you can do because I think it does keep you disciplined and motivated and um, the theory behind doing something every single day that you find hard or that you don't want to do for me um, the quote that comes in for this would be if you do the things that are hard, life becomes easy. But If you do what's easy, life becomes hard. So it's a conditioning behaviour that means, basically, if I do something every single day that I don't want to do, it could be something to do with I, a part of training I don't enjoy so much or a bit of paperwork. But how good does it feel to do that and to get off the list and get it done? But also, it, you're building your men, your mindset and your mental toughness so that when things do get harder, you already have the structures in place to deal with that. And you can then deal with it and move on. Um, like throughout my life, I've I've had lots of peaks and troughs with my health, and that's where I feel very lucky that I've had such a unique life because it's enabled me to build upon my mindset, and become very strong-minded, to know that if something goes wrong, it's okay, and I can work on fixing it or work on, you know, solving the problem or moving forward from it. Um, and a lot of my friends, I think they they see that I'm very unfazed by things because. You know, I've had a lot of failures and I have had a lot of hardships. And for me, like, you've got to enjoy the failures and the low points as much as you enjoy the success because you don't have one without the other.
0: Yeah, I think there's some real um, connection there for me with, um, set. I, I go back to your intentions list, the daily challenge, feeling that. I mean, I, I can relate to all of this. So only a couple of weeks ago, we was in the park, me and my daughter, when they were back up and we got a little gym park near us, I was doing some exercise. And she was saying, oh, dad, are you going to do this every day that we're in lockdown? And I was like, it's the only thing that's going to get me through this is having that um, the discipline to set a goal on something and then execute on it. And some of them, like you say, they don't necessarily have to be an Iron Man or they don't have to be, um, you know, these crazy, they can be within, within, our, within our reaches and within our um, parameters, stretch us a little bit, but setting a few goals and then executing on them. On them the, the sense of achievement just feels amazing, doesn't it?
1: Well, yeah. And I think it's so important as well, because I think with the, with the world we live in right now, it's very much online because being in person with someone is something that isn't widely okay right now. Um, and I think, you know, people only really post highlight reels online. And so I think it's really important to stay in tune with who you are and what your goals are and, the reasons behind you wanting to do them rather than, you know, looking at somebody else's goals and being like, oh, like, but she can run this time for a 5K. Well, that's great, but does it tailor in with what you're doing? Because, like, especially for me, I was talking to my other friend the other day, who's an man girl as well, and she was saying, like, you know, just because I can run far, it doesn't mean I can run at the speed of light for a 5K. That's not what I train for. Yeah. And she was like it makes me feel that I'm not good enough for a 5k when in reality I can run over a marathon so you know the comparison is the thief of a lot of things um which is why it's so important to set yourself goals that you are um in tune with and you know that really do relate to you and that are your passions which is why like I love to do kind of like the, the unusual or you know things that I haven't ever done before like um the ride across Britain that I did last year and um, before that, I think eight weeks before that, I paddleboarded from the Bahamas to Florida um, at night, which is 18 miles. And I never thought I'd never paddleboarded really before. So um, it's just like a really interesting kind of swing to setting different goals to kind of keep you pushing and keep you really wanting to achieve. And and I think that's where, like for me, with lockdown, where the intentions came from, because I was like, what is it that I'm wanting to achieve in this time because it, I could easily just sit down and do nothing but at the same time I've got such an opportunity to do so much more than I could be doing if I was running my usual life.
0: Yeah I think you've just made my little sit-up session in the park sound pretty uh, mediocre with your paddleboard <laughs> <laughs> although that was a personal thing. I have also tested every beer possible within the local co-op so that was one of my, well, and I set that early doors and I I achieved it pretty quickly. I think I'm on round three of all the beers in the co-op now, but, um, personal goals. I, 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 completely agree with you there. I think I've done it myself. I've, I've looked at it. I looked at some of your times the other day and was thinking, where do I fit in with that? How does, it was a 5k time in particular. It's always seems to be the 5k one for some reason. I think it's just a, um, quite a clear marker of for me personally, where, where my fitness levels are. And at the beginning of lockdown, I did one, it was ridiculous. It was like late twenties. And I'm thinking, what is this I'm doing? I used to be able to run early twenties, sub 20, you know, I was 21, 22 years old at the time. And then I was getting frustrated and then running 5k every day in the hope that it would come down and it wasn't coming down. And then I, I did the same. I phoned one of my friends and I said, what, what am I doing wrong? He was like, go back to what you know stop trying to do the same thing over and over again and think it's going to work. And he literally said, instead of doing 5K, just chuck a five miler in for the next three weeks on the day you was going to do that 5K. I did it. And then I did a 5K. I knocked three minutes off the time. Just just mixed it up. And I was doing interval sessions as well. I was never running over that 5K element. So I was never really at the legs. And the last, I know 5K is not very far, but in that last half a mile, I was really starting to struggle. I pushed that out to five miles. Well, now I feel okay at that 3.2 mile mark. Um, I'm not feeling too bad. So, yeah, I think it's it's just being clever with that training. We've gone off on a mad tangent there about training. (laughs) I just realized we haven't even really introduced you other than your name. So maybe (laughs) we we could be here all night talking about my training. This is not a free coaching session. (laughs) Um, So a little intro. Like the bio you sent me, I haven't put that out yet. Yeah, as of the, when they listen to this podcast, they will, but I am going to send that out later on this week um, with some excitement about when we can drop this podcast. Give us a bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Tell us all about yourself, please.
1: Okay. So um, I'm a personal trainer. Um, I am an ultra endurance athlete. I'm actually sponsored by Under Armour, which is very exciting. Um, and it's all in the name of the fact that I basically have lived. With a uh, life-threatening lung disease since I was born, called cystic fibrosis, and I was told from a very young age um, that I was not going to make it past the age of 16. And uh, I remember making it to 16, and then being like, "Oh well, well done," but you know, you definitely won't really be here that much longer. And here I am at the age of 29. Um, and I think for me, being told that I could never do anything and never achieve anything in my life was The motivation that I needed or like that I had from a very young age to be like but I can you watch me and time and time again where doctors have said to me you know so if like CF has got you now your lung function's super low like you're in hospital like it's too late for you and I've gone yeah that's really cool and everything but I'm gonna go and climb Kilimanjaro I'm gonna go and do this thing and like now like it's so nice because they've now got the respect for me to be like okay like what are we, what's what's your next goal? Like, what are we keeping you well for now? Like, we love hearing your achievements. And, you know, there was, there's been quite a few rocky times um throughout my, my life. And even to the point where, you know, up until the age of 19, I didn't even think I was sick. Even though I had the hospital visits and then loads of medication. Like, I take 80 tablets a day. But I was beating all my friends in school. And for me, that was what it was all about. Like, in PE, I was not top in the class. And racing... 400 meters around track for County and all these different things. And I didn't understand until I got sick. And actually that's when I turned into the ultra endurance because I was like, I need something that's really going to mentally and physically challenge me and get me into that place where you have no choice, but to take action, to cut the excuses and just adapt into doing what you're doing. And I absolutely love it. And, you know, I've got a very like hard time in my life to thank for that um, because I was, when I was 19 my lung function dropped by 50 percent very quickly and they didn't know why and they basically gave me two years to live Um, and my naive 19 year old self laughed in the face of that danger and just did everything I could Uh, because before that as we spoke about earlier I actually worked at Olympus in more of a secretarial role in an office and then retrained into the fitness industry because I wanted to educate myself on basically how I could become better and look after my health and become fit and strong because ultimately like fitness for a lot of people, for a lot of different reasons does save their life. um, Whether it be mentally, whether it be physically or whether it be, you know, just because it's something they're passionate about.
0: (laughs) I I was just listening with complete intrigue there. There's a couple of things. Firstly, the one that you said there about whatever that session's for, sometimes it, it fitness saves people. Um, I think that's been the absolute constant in my life since I was. I joined the army at 17 years old and I, I left, wow, 2008, so uh, 12 years ago. And uh, other than where I was in hospital, I had uh, back surgery in 2012, which was ideal time to have back surgery, by the way, because the Olympics was on. So I spent 10 weeks in bed wow. in all of the Olympics and then all of the Paralympics. So if you're going to get injured, Try and time it in that four-year um, gap because it's the best time to watch TV. Um, and then, and then, uh, and then on top of that, um, you mentioned there about how it's about mental well-being as well. And and I I am completely um, sucked into that. I, I no longer exercise for just the physical aspect of it, which is what I thought it was all about when I was a little bit younger. Some sessions are particularly chosen for mental well-being, but every single session delivers something in terms of mental well-being. Um, I think there's a, you know, the correlation is, is obvious to many of us um, about mental well-being. But I think some people have just got to get on that journey and, and the, the returns on it are just immediate.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it is something that's still quite underestimated by maybe people that are very aesthetically driven the gym which is obviously an absolutely fine goal um but for me like mentally if I haven't moved or like my body hasn't been worked or I'm restless or um my mindset shifts quite quickly if I have too many days off which I'm a very upbeat positive person very naturally but if I haven't done my I'm a bit like a puppy like I need to be exercised <laughs> to feel content is... and if I've done nothing then, yeah, then that... there's a problem
0: that's how I describe it to people. I, I'm a dog and I need a, I need a walk. I need to go out and do some exercise. I need to run around like an idiot. Um, so on Saturday, I was with Dan. I've been struggling with a bit of sciatica for the last couple of weeks and I've managed to hold it off. And on Saturday, it got a bit from, the, from when I had the back operation, on Saturday, it got a bit much to handle during a session that we was running uh, over on uh, Canvey Island. On a Saturday morning, we run a Saturday man, man club. We both play rugby there. And every Saturday morning, since we was allowed to get in bubbles of six, we have our little bubbles and we go over there and we exercise on a Saturday morning. Dan's doing amazing at it, by the way. Um, I'm thrashing burpees, burpees. I was in a bit of pain. and uh, So I decided to listen to my body, which is not my normal tactic. I normally ignore it and then end up really injured. So this week I haven't really moved a great deal. I got up early morning uh, Monday, went for a walk. It's just not delivering the endorphins that a run or a circuit session or something would be. And I can feel what we're on Wednesday now and I'm starting to get aggy. <laughs> Simple yeah. as that. Um, and Dan's just texted me actually earlier saying, do you want to go out for a bike ride on Friday? And I do. I don't want to hurt myself, but I do because I, I feel like I need to get out of this, this bit of a state, but you're right. The correlation is, is, is there. We can all recognize that. I think that the word you used was underestimated and it, and it really is. Um, I just, Wish I could bang it from a, you know, from a rooftop and say, if you're feeling a bit down, just let's get out and move together. But um, yeah, to back slightly where you said about um, the cystic fibrosis, you was diagnosed with that at four months old. Um, yeah. For those who are out there who don't know a great deal about cystic fibrosis, I'm not looking for a, a total in-depth scientific analysis of it, but, you know, what what does cystic fibrosis mean to someone who doesn't really know a great deal about it?
1: basically it's a genetic inherited genetic lung disease um basically to do with a gene called the cftr which is faulty so it basically doesn't work and with cf mainly affects your lungs and digestive system with a build-up of uh, sticky mucus so it's not the most glamorous of diseases um but from that it can cause a lot of uh, lung infections and things and from that people then can have severe lung damage. And ultimately that's why the life expectancy for people with CF is still only 41 years of age. Um, And obviously for a lot of people that's much younger. Like I think you know, statistically a lot of people die before the age of 30, which is super sad, which is why like I'm always trying to champion people and try and get people moving because I do believe the change is coming, especially with the new medications that are coming out that are transforming people's lives. Um, but unfortunately with CF it can affect so many different organs like you can then get CF related diabetes, liver disease, um, kidney failure all these different things that you just don't even realise are out there but you know ultimately it's there's a lot of doom and gloom around it which is why I try and be the spark of hope that some people may need
0: Well I, you certainly are because I think if you didn't tell people you had it then nobody would know about it, and then the things that you're doing—they kind of fly in the face of some of the symptoms you were talking about there with lung capacity and um, the mucus element. Then to be to be doing the levels of exercise you're doing—that you must be baffling a, a lot of people as that happens. You mentioned there as well about some new medication. I saw your post the other day about that. What what what's the deal with that new medication that's come out?
1: Yeah. So basically, um, a company called vertex have come up with a medication that in the press has been dubbed as close to a cure because obviously with cf there's still no cure um that the nhs has now passed. it's been on the campaigning front for years and before that there was a similar medication called simkevi which i'm actually on now that got passed in uh, october last year and you know these drugs are quite frankly transforming people's lives like For example, like one of my friends, she was in hospital in December and was induced into a coma because she couldn't breathe for herself anymore. And on compassionate terms, she got given the new drug, which is called Trikafta everywhere else. But I think in Europe it's called um, CAFTRIO. And she's now seven months later or whatever, running up hills. And she couldn't even get out of bed with less than 20% lung function. So it's the miracle medication, really out there and the NHS have just passed it because I think what's happening is the medication that I'm on, which is Simkevy, is included in the new drug. So that will probably become obsolete because there's no point in the NHS paying for both. Um and it will be able to treat ninety percent of patients, which is huge because with CF there's thousands of different strands of it, which is the problem and which is why it's so difficult to treat.
0: That's amazing. I saw your post about it the other day. Um and I, like I said, I, I was trying to use... respond
1: to
0: that. Yeah. Hello. You still there?
1: Yeah,
0: I'm still here. Uh your phone just said something. I think we've got a bit of Siri in there. Leave it in there, no worries. Um, yeah, I was just saying I saw your post the other day um about about the drug coming out. Um and you you was extremely excited about that. This really does seem like um some groundbreaking stuff out there. Have they started to talk about Statistically, what they think it's going to do, or what what it can do. I know you you mentioned there about increasing life expectancy, but is there any any what what's been done within the findings?
1: Um, I think it's mainly, um, basically, it's helping the body work properly. So the faulty gene, the CFTR, is now able to work properly, which means you're for the first time in your life, your entire body is functioning more like a normal person. Um which is phenomenal, really. Um, and, you know, it just means that, you know, your lungs can then... I think they, they were saying for like for the first month, it's probably the harder month because, you know, anything that your body's been dealing with and can't deal with itself is suddenly able to then clear out your lungs and things are working better. And, you know, with CF as well, something that people don't realise is obviously because a lot of people are pancreatic insufficient, um, it means that you have to take enzymes to digest your food and within that because your food isn't fully absorbed you're having to eat 3,000 calories a day being female which is a fair whack yeah, um, and what's cool. happening now is with this medication that's not even the thing anymore so i think the biggest thing that i've heard from people is the fact that they're now for the first time in their life um putting on loads of weight which is unheard of really in cf um which did make me laugh that people were complaining about it
0: um, <laughs> yeah it's uh but then, yeah, yeah, I mean, if the body's now reacting normally, if that's the right phrase to use, um, when it's processing food and digesting food, et cetera, then this this is an amazing breakthrough. Um,
1: oh, it is, it, and it's going to save so many lives, and that's ultimately the amazing thing.
0: That I, I was just going to say, the most important thing about that is the people that will make it through those barriers. I was talking on the podcast the other day, uh, I recorded on Monday with with uh, with Hannah Campbell, and she was talking about societal norms and things that are expected of you by the time you're 30. And listening to you, what you're talking about, some of these people, including yourself, weren't even supposed to be here at 30 years old. And that, no. if that, if this drug's going to change something like that for for families for people, that, that's just amazing. I'm I'm so happy and pleased for you and anybody else that suffers. The cystic fibrosis that they're getting the treatment finally that you know that that they deservedly um can have
1: well yeah exactly and I think for a lot of people for the first time in their life they can actually then start planning their life you know like I've always lived my life very different and always wanted to do loads of like crazy things and like for me it's about what you put in the years not the years that you're here um But there was a line that my friend Tom said um, because he basically is an ultra runner, but he only became an ultra runner after being a rugby player because he got diagnosed with cancer and obviously luckily survived. But I listened to a podcast that he was on and he basically turned around and said, look, it's the excuses you make today that will be the regrets you have at the end of your life, which is why I always weigh up. Like if I am trying to talk myself out of it, for example, when you can't be bothered to go for a run because your motivation is low, well, you're never going to regret even just going out for a mile or two over sitting down doing nothing. And so for me, like, I keep that phrase close to my heart because I'm like, no matter what advances there are in medication or whatever, nobody really knows how long they're here for. So I want to make the most of whatever I have got.
0: It's an amazing little... You've got a number of mantras there that I've heard so far through this, and I'm frantically writing them down. You need to email (laughs) me or I think they're going (laughs) to... And there's where the alarm goes off at 5am and you're struggling for that motivation. You mentioned about your career. We both worked for the same organization at the same time. Uh, like I said earlier, I must walk around with my eyes closed. Um, we were there at the same time. We've not met previously. We know through, uh, know, I know you through somebody else. The, you chose a career initially that certainly wasn't the title you hold now, which is an ultra endurance athlete. You, you said you was, um, working in an office what was the what was that period of time like was it was that your choices is that what you was going to do or did you always have your sights set on this ultra endurance athlete and that was just a route to it
1: no I think for me at the time like I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do like um I'd actually done my previous work experience at that firm and also my dad worked there as well um so for me like you know, a job opportunity came up and I was like, well, let's see if I can get a job. And obviously got the job, started saving money. And for me, that like the only, the reason that I then changed it completely, like I'm not good being office-based anyway, I'm too fidgety and love being on my feet anyway, but was the fact that I got really sick and I was like, I need to change my entire lifestyle if I want to still be well. And I think the environment for me and my health just wasn't great. Sitting in an office, aircon, very limited movement in the daytime, and although I would do my training and like I had a horse as well at the time, I think, you know, for me, I needed a complete lifestyle change to support my health. And and then my ultra came into it because I remember sitting in that hospital bed when I got told that I only had two years to live. And I, the doctor was like, look, so if there's nothing we can do. And I was like, well, I'm going to go and climb Kilimanjaro in six months. And he was like, you're not. And I was like, I'm going. And so I did go and I did um, climb Kilimanjaro and I did summit it and, Celebrated with ten burpees at the top, as you do
0: with what sorry uh,
1: ten burpees at the top
0: as you do.
1: well, what else are you can do at six thousand meters? you know why not? <laughs> um And I remember sitting there on that mountain being like, "Wow, like I who knew that I had the passion to kind of push myself over several days as much as I could to achieve something, and that's kind of where it then unraveled into ultra marathons, hundred k runs different mountain climbs different relays I think I did a 200 mile relay with a team and all these different things and then that's where I eventually wound up into doing an Ironman so you know I think it's interesting how things can unfold unexpectedly from being a very much a power-based athlete a Sprinter on a track and running for a few minutes at a time to running for a whole day um or or more you know
0: yeah it's a it's a big switch isn't it moving from an office base. That I, I when I was leaving the army I, I, I trained as a as a, a personal trainer. I did with Premier Global and that was where I wanted to go. At the time I had a young family and really wasn't social media wasn't where it is now as well. And I think had that have been there, I may have had a, a different start in that. But I needed to get into a um, a job that was gonna look after my young family. So I never really pursued it. But it is a massive Um, part of my life and always has been. And I just love that whole, I I remember working in a gym um, in Germany when I was a young soldier, I got an offer to work in the gym there and I just buzzed around that environment. And I think when it might be more difficult through social media, but when you're seeing the results of people and people like who didn't believe they could do something, then go and achieve it, no matter how big or small that is, the rewards as a PT or as a coach just, phenomenal for that you are just so made up yeah i couldn't agree more so you move into coaching um and you move into the fitness industry um what was that transition like and how did you go about that
1: um it really wasn't the most sensible transition however i literally got my qualification and handed my manager my resignation that was it I was like, do you know what? If I'm going to make this happen, that's it. I'm launching myself straight in. I'm still living at home. Don't have too much to pay for. So um, we're going to go and do this. And fortunately, one of my friends who was a PT was actually moving away. And so she basically landed me in a studio and gave me all her clients, which was very wow. lucky. Um, and then it kind of progressed from there. And then um, I then did a lot of online stuff with a fitness platform called Results of Lucy. I did that for about six years, built their platform for them online. And then Obviously, I had my own personal clients in a studio in Lee. Um, and then it kind of just spiraled from there. And obviously, I think then social media came in, and you then start building your platform. And then, obviously, now I've actually just launched my own fitness app, which is very exciting, um, just so that it gives me a bit more freedom and I can actually connect and train with more people around the world. And that's really what I want to do. I want to help as many people as I possibly can. And the way you do that is, obviously a lot more online based like it doesn't mean that i won't have a few one-to-one clients but a lot of it will be online via the app and filming um which is all really exciting and you know i've been very lucky i've had a lot of extremely amazing experiences through this job from training um saudi royal well, families to performing on stages at the olympic park um and it's been a phenomenal 10 years or eight years um and I wouldn't change it. It's hard work being a PT. I think, you know, a lot of people put numbers to paper and they don't take into consideration the split shifts, the hours, the graft. But it was an amazing transition.
0: Yeah. It, it, I, I know a few guys and girls who do PT at the moment. And, you know, the, this, this current situation has been pretty difficult for some of them um, adapting to a more online approach than, than what they would have previously. Um, but it's, it has been good to see. I think that the communities have been pretty active, and people have remained from certainly the people that I know have remained pretty loyal to their um, to their PTs in the, in this period. And you know, I, I just the gyms are open soon, and I just hope that for some of the people that are out there who you know it's, their living is depending on it, they, they can get back out and start doing what it is they love. And um, you mentioned there about. Um, some of the exciting stuff you're doing at the moment um, and, uh, and launching the, the new online platforms and stuff. Give us a bit more detail about that and where we can find it, what we can do to get hold of it. I know the answer because I've seen it on Instagram. <laughs> what What is it about and what can we get from it? What we, what, we, what do we get for our money?
1: Yeah, so basically I've just launched a um, an app. So it is an app that basically will be updated one to two times a week. And there's already four programs on there, and two follow along workouts, which is like full 30 minute workouts, a nutrition guide, plus recipes. And I'm going to be launching a, a, an e-book soon as well. Um, it's basically a platform where you know you, if you've got a goal, there will be something on there for you, whether it be strength based, whether it be training from home, training from a gym, body weight. Um, I'm going to be updating it with endurance based plans as well, which is really exciting either for like marathon runners or a triathlon or whatever. Um, and it's something I've wanted to do for ages. Um, and basically it is super value for money. So the first month I've done it through an American company. So the first month is only a dollar.
0: I saw that the other day. I saw it was it's only a dollar.
1: Less than a pound. Um, and then thereafter it's about $15, which I think is maybe 12 pounds. um, and I think the value is less than 60p a day to train. So, and you can obviously, it's an app, so you can take it on your phone. You can take it anywhere you want, on holiday, in the gym, at home. Um, and I'm super excited because I'm, I've got basically a filming day a week where I'm filming new workouts that are up there. And, you know, the scope is endless with it, which is amazing. And obviously it's only been um, live three weeks. So very new, but very exciting as well.
0: It sounds amazing. Um, if we can... Uh, get some stuff i'll get it plugged on the on the podcast as well so um i'll, I'll share some stuff around it as well if, if you're okay with that across my oh Instagram yeah amazing
1: amazing and, and yeah that would be great
0: and get that shared out on some more platforms uh, i know plenty of people that um have got the motivation already to do the exercises they just might be lacking a little bit in terms of creativity and if you can add that to them then that that sounds amazing um you talk about all of these things that you've done from paddleboarding in the dark across the sea, which literally puts the fear into me just even thinking about it. <laughs> Cycling thousands of miles. You know what? What big things are coming up for Sophie Grace Holmes in the, in the near future?
1: Um, well, obviously this year is very dependent on what we can do, um, because obviously who knows what is going to happen. But for next year, I've got a thirty day challenge planned for my thirtieth birthday. Um, I've obviously still got my Ironman because I'm still yet to go to Austria and run down that red carpet Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping as well for next year that I can find a mountain to climb because it's been a couple of years and I do love finding myself in the mountains. Um, I'm just not sure which one just yet but I'm also hoping next year to set a world record uh, which obviously I can't really say too much about at the moment but that is also in the pipelines
0: yeah I was just gonna really uh ignorantly and uh naively say what record and then I realized that's probably not what you're going to tell us when you're looking at mountain climbing in particular have you got some set in mind
1: um not yet one of my friends suggested one in Japan um but I'm just i more would I want the challenge of the mountains but I'd also like it maybe to be next year end of next year so I've got my world record down. I've got my Ironman down. I've got this lovely mountain climb, albeit probably very difficult. Um, to look forward to because it's where I kind of started my journey. So I do like to take myself back into those situations just to kind of thrive off of them again.
0: Yeah, that's it. It's nice to know where your roots are, isn't it? And go back to those when you need to. I think there's certainly some. Um... Yeah, some, some solace in being alone and climbing certain things, maybe not just alone, but climbing up big things just seems like, without being too cheesy, a little bit at one with the world, you're kind of susceptible, I think it gives you the realisation of how tiny you actually are in oh, comparison yes. to some of the things that are around us, um, and that, not insignificant, but not quite as significant as probably we make out on a daily basis in comparison. Oh, I,
1: couldn't, I literally couldn't agree more. And like the beauty of the mountains is you really do get sucked in. And the best part is most of the time you don't have phone signals. So you can really focus on what's around you and who you're with and kind of just being immersed in that situation. Um, although having said that, I did go live on my Instagram when I summited Mont Blanc two years ago, before my <laughs> phone turned off because it was so cold. Um, but I hope that I can kind of get myself back into somewhere in the mountains. Or I'll probably, if not, find myself doing an ultra-x Iron Man in like pantagonia or something mental. Because there are ones out there that you dive off a boat into the Atlantic Ocean in the middle of the dark
0: sea. Sounds sounds petrifying. You mentioned there something about being immersed in a in a situation. And um before we wrap it up, I do want to ask a little question about that since you brought it up. I've been asking people regularly about um presence in the current situation not as in COVID but you know wh- when you're doing something dedicating your entire focus to that in this day and age really difficult right and I- I'll give you a very small example you now I can be watching TV with my children who I love more than anything in the world and then I pick my phone up halfway through it like we're having the most amazing quality time and I, I can be distracted any advice any tips not necessarily for going on my phone but just in general for people who are finding themselves in a world where there's a lot of distractions, remaining focused on the, the task that you've put in front of you.
1: I think for me, if, if for example, it is your phone, just put it in another room or turn it off. Or like for me, like if I've got a job at task I, and it's not to do with doing something on my phone for social media, if it's on my laptop, for example, I will literally go and put my phone in another room um, and, and, basically be right like I've got one hour to do this and if I look at my phone this is never going to happen because you then end up being like three or four different pages deep on somebody that you don't know because that's what happens when you go on social media Um, (laughs) and I think it's so it's really difficult at this day and age to be present in a situation but I do also think with Covid it's actually enabled you to realize that and hopefully start putting in practice to do that because nine times out of ten you do the same thing you click on social media you scroll through it and then you get nothing really from it. Um, so you, for me, see, like,
0: I... Yeah, this is this is like I can get that distracted and and then I hope people don't tease me about this when the podcast comes out. Yesterday I was looking on social media at our, our local butchers and what the comments had been made about their recent barbecue pack. I mean that is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous and of. And of no relevance to my life. And I was reading down these comments and then I thought, what are you doing? You've just wasted, you know, a few more minutes of this life of reading the butcher's comments. I mean, I, I you're think right. I it's
1: become such a habit. I think this is the thing. It's such a habit to pick up your phone and look at it. Like I like to call it the power hour, the first hour of the morning. Don't look at your phone. And just be present do your thing like to have an hour to yourself before even like picking up and trying to connect with anybody or whatever and I try and do that in the evening like I try not to look at my phone past nine o'clock I go to bed quite early anyway um just because I think we all need time away and that's partly why I love doing the fitness that I do because a lot of the time I can't look at my phone like I can't text somebody while I'm trying to swim in the sea um if I'm on my bike I'm i'm pretty stable on my bike but i'm not going to be texting somebody trying to ride (laughs) at 30 kilometers an hour down the road um and when i'm running there's just no hope so like i think if you can find something that you can immerse yourself into that you love it's a lot easier to break that habit also i've got rules around like if i'm with people i try not to look at my phone unless i know something important's coming in or if i'm um training like that hour is for training not for my phone there's all these different techniques that i try and put in like it's very hard and again it does come down to having a little bit of discipline within that
0: yeah definitely i think there's a couple of things that and and I, i do ask this question regularly i know a few people that are massively present and their practice presence as a as a you know as a thing that they concentrate on regularly and the biggest distraction um, is their mobile phone and they, they get rid of it I, I left my mobile phone in the house the other day and I got back about five hours later after going down to Chalkwell Beach with the kids I had about four messages you know it weren't like I got back and I was inundated with calls and requests and things that are important it's almost a you know a habitual thing of scrolling or checking something to see if there's another message it you know and it is certainly something like you said that the coronavirus has heightened that to me because normally I'd be on the move, jump in my car, check it, throw it in the uh, passenger seat, move to another office, do something. But I've really recognised it as a as a thing that I do um, and I want to break, maybe not break that habit, but, you know, try to minimise it to a point where it, it doesn't offer any distractions.
1: Well, yeah, and I think that's the thing. I've, I'm a very competitive person, as you've probably gathered. Um, and I don't know if <laughs> you've got that, an iPhone. Uh, I never realised but on my phone it says every single week like how many hours you've spent on it now mine's obviously gone up because my business is now on my phone but i'm now challenging myself to reduce it back down so just become super smart and efficient with what i need to do and get it done and put my phone down because it's terrifying how it's like oh this week your average was six hours on your phone and i'm like what what have i been doing for six hours
0: uh, it's crazy how the time adds up, isn't it? Those small chunks of just scrolling through Facebook, yeah. Instagram and, and stuff like that. Talking about those social media places, um, where can people find you if they want to check out the work that you're doing? They want to be involved in it. Like me, they want to be inspired uh, regularly by the things you're, you're doing. Where can we find you?
1: Uh, my main handle is Instagram, which is just simply my name, Sophie Greyhomes. Nice and easy to remember
0: yeah that's awesome are you on facebook as well did you say there or is it um, just i in- do
1: have a i do have a like page yeah which is exactly the same all my handles are my name so it's I'm quite an easy person to track down
0: yeah it's gonna say you're not gonna get very far if for, for those people that want to get older sophie check her out sophie grace holmes i can recommend it i've been following you on instagram for a couple of months now while we've been in contact about getting on the podcast um a recommendation from a good friend of mine it was a great recommendation because at times when i've needed it you've been inspiring you've put in posts out there there's content out there that um, any level can get to grips with there is some really high-end stuff in there but I think it can be tailored for anyone that's looking at that fitness journey and I think that's really where I want to leave it with just a final bit of advice from you really so lockdown has created a lot of different scenarios and people are now at home and they've got the opportunity to do that fitness in their own house or Uh, like Joe Wicks has been doing and various other people. What advice have you got out there for people who are about to embark on a fitness journey and they want to get involved in it and they just don't really know where to start?
1: Uh, Firstly, download my app, you know, that's the best way to go. Um, No, but seriously, like set goals that you're passionate about. Don't do, fitness should be fun and you should enjoy it amongst, obviously the hard work and it is obviously painful when you're trying to push up newbies, but, you know, start small, start steady, build it up. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You're building up over time. Like, for example, if you're not a runner, go out for 15 minutes and try and run for the whole 15 minutes. If you can't, interval it, walk and jog it. that's absolutely fine. Just do not look at what other people are doing. Do not compare your times because, you know, everyone's journeys are different. Like, I could be on day 500 and you could be on day one. So, you know, focus on you. Focus on something that you're passionate about, something you really want to achieve. Set that big goal, but set some milestones along the way.
0: Awesome advice. Thank you very much. Um, Sophie, it's been an absolute pleasure. The first 20 minutes we went off on a total tangent um, and I don't, I don't care. I loved every minute of it. <laughs> I've got lots of stuff down. I've got all of the five things that you cycled around um, with the, uh, the UK in your pocket, in your jersey. I've got intentions list written down. I've made notes as I've gone along. I promise you it wasn't me trying to um, skim a free coaching session. <laughs> this but there's been some absolute gems in there uh thank you very much i can't thank you enough for taking the time out on this evening to uh, to jump on the podcast with me i really appreciated your time
1: oh no thank you so much for an absolute pleasure i think we could probably talk for another hour if we were letting it but um yeah, it's exactly. been great so thank you for having me on
0: no worries that's sophie grace holmes on never press news episode two season two thank you very much